0: Let us be in a spirit of prayer. We thank you for the gift of your word, dear God. May you continue to help us to understand all that Jesus was saying to his disciples and to the people and how he still speaks to us this day. We thank you again for your word and for your son Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. In Matthew, Mark, in Matthew, Luke, and John, in those three Gospels, they begin with a, a prologue and an introduction. Um, for some, they talking about the genealogy of, of Jesus. For others, it's a, a birth story. In the Gospel of John, John goes all the way back to before creation and starts their story with this long kind of introduction. Mark, Mark, writing the Gospel, writes the shortest of the Gospels, and he skips all of that. He starts right out with John the Baptist as an adult preaching in the wilderness and then baptizing Jesus, um, omitting 30 years of Jesus' life and story to get right to what he wants to be as the point. In chapter 1, he introduces us to John the Baptist, Jesus is baptized, And then the story continues from there to the calling of the first disciples. And we're still in chapter one with our reading today. And in our reading today, we get a glimpse of a day in the life of Jesus. And it's the most fascinating description of one day in a person's life that we can imagine. Consider all of this. If you go back to verse 21, a reading I believe that might've heard last Sunday. In that story, still in chapter one, Jesus and his disciples travel to Capernaum. It's the Jewish Sabbath. And so, as is their custom, they go to the synagogue for worship. And that's not surprising because that was important to Jesus. We often see him in the synagogue within the four Gospels. And there, as any able male was able to do, he begins to teach based on the scriptures from the Hebrew scriptures. But Mark notes that when Jesus did this, He did it with such authority that the crowds were amazed. Now while Jesus is teaching, a man with an unclean spirit rises up and cries out to Jesus. Jesus tells the spirit to be silent and to leave the man. And it does. And again, the crowds are amazed. Following that, our story began today in our Mark's Gospel. Jesus and his disciples leave the synagogue and they head out to Simon and Andrew's house. Now in the house, we learned that Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. Now consider for a moment what that little piece of scripture tells us. Simon has a mother-in-law. Therefore, we can rightly assume Simon has a wife. Now, we don't often hear about the disciples being married or having much of a family life at all. We we might hear about their fathers as a fisherman, but family life is kind of left alone. But Simon has a mother-in-law and therefore had a wife. And considering that Simon, who becomes Peter, goes on to be the head of the church after the resurrection in the book of Acts, and is considered um, to be among the first popes, well, it's kind of interesting that... Peter was married and had a wife, or at least we assume. Now, there are some scholars who will offer that they believe that perhaps at this time, Peter's wife had died, and so he was a widower, uh, but still helping to take care of his mother-in-law. That's an interesting little thing to think about. It's one of those Bible trivia pieces that just kind of rattles around in my mind at times doesn't have a lot to do with the message for today, but it's just rattling around there for me. So back to our story. Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever and they tell Jesus about that as they enter the house. And our story simply says that Jesus came, took her by the hand and lifted her up. And then her fever was gone and she began to serve them. Not a word is spoken between Simon's mother-in-law, who remains nameless, and Jesus. She asks for nothing. Jesus says nothing. Rather, he simply takes her by the hand and lifts her up and the fever leaves her. It's a powerful story. And it's a story we'll come back to in just a moment, but I want to complete the day for us so that we have it in that perspective. Because shortly after that, at sundown, which means that the Sabbath is now over, the entire city is gathering in front of Simon and Andrew's house. And there, Jesus cures many who were sick with various diseases and casts out many demons. And then in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus gets up and goes out to a deserted place and there he prays. The disciples, we are told, come hunting for him not understanding why he is doing this, why he's gone off at such the early hour. Jesus informs him that they must go to the neighboring town so that he can proclaim the message. For this is what I came here to do. And they go out through Galilee, proclaiming the message in the synagogues and healing many people. All of that in just a little more than one day. All of that, and we're still in chapter one in Mark's gospel. Well, actually, there's even one more story that follows that about the healing of a leper, but we'll leave that for another time. While Mark might be the shortest gospel, it is jam-packed with information and stories. Mark carries and races through the day with the barest of details, but enough to intrigue us and to give us things to think about. And I wanted just to hear that whole story one more time, but I want to go back and focus on just one small part of that story, and that is with Simon's mother-in-law and her situation with Jesus. There are a lot of healing stories throughout all the Gospels, powerful stories. They take different shapes and sizes, involve different people, both Jews and Gentiles. The stories themselves are, are amazing But this brief story, one of the shortest healing stories in all the scripture, is one where there are no words spoken. There's no request by anybody. Even though Simon and Andrew tell Jesus about Simon's mother-in-law, they don't ask him to heal her, but rather just give him that information. And while no words are spoken, it is Jesus's powerful touch, an act of tenderness and kindness and lifting her up and the fever is gone. This image of Jesus lifting her up has a connection with another story in Mark's Gospel where a young girl has died and Jesus comes to her side after she is dead but says that she is not dead but just sleeping and he lifts her up and she is alive. It's the power of Jesus' touch that seems so strong and amazing here. Not his words, but to be touched. We know the power of touch. As I shared with the children, at times when we're afraid, it's, it's someone's reassuring arm around us, or a hug, a hand to hold that can comfort us and provide us um, that sense of safety and security. For me as a pastor, I've sat at the bedside of many people who have been dying and been there when they passed away. No words can be said in those times, but holding one's hand, whether it be the person passing away or their family, can be a powerful time of being present. It's not the words that matter, but it's our being there. I remember a Sunday morning when I got the call about a family in our church. Their college age daughter had been in the hospital and they were going to remove life support that morning, and they asked if I could come. We gathered in her room, families surrounding her bed, I holding her hand. I offered a prayer that day. I don't remember the words I used, and I doubt that anybody that was there could tell you about the prayer. But every single person in that room can remember who was there, the hands that they held, the arms around their shoulder, the presence that they offered. It wasn't the words that were important. It was our presence being there, actively holding each other together that helped us deal with the sorrow and the grief of that moment. We encounter those moments of of sorrow and of grief, of tragedy, of when difficulties arise, of when we're afraid. And we often say to ourselves or to others, I just don't know what to say. And we truly don't. The words escape us. The times are just that heavy for us. In those moments, it's important to remember that the words truly are not what's going to make a difference. For most likely, there is nothing we can say when the impossible happens, when tragedy strikes. But rather, our presence can mean the world to someone. It's the touch of a hand on a shoulder. It's reaching out with one's hand to hold. It's a hug when it's appropriate. It's about showing up. And when distance or circumstances are such that we can't physically be present in that moment, a physical card can be something important. A text and an email, a call are nice, but that's about words. When we actually handwrite a card, put a thought in it, handwrite the envelope and sign our name and mail it, when that person receives that card and they're holding it, they're holding something that we held. And there's a power in that sense of holding a card that someone else's hands touched. We're present in a very different way, but we're present with them. It's become a bit old-fashioned to send cards, but I offer it to you. It is another way of reaching out and touching someone That we need to remember how important it can be. Because in this story it is Jesus reaching out and touching this woman that is the powerful part of this story. A long time ago, back in 400 AD, so some 1600 years ago, there was a man named St. Jerome, an early church historian and theologian. And he actually preached a, a sermon based on this story that we just read and he makes a very powerful point and I want to read just a short excerpt from his sermon. He wrote, Oh that he would come to our house. Jesus, that is who we mean. Oh that Jesus would come to our house. I have such a deep desire for that as I think of the houses and hospital rooms of our people. If Jesus were to come, then things would be okay as he took the hand of simon peter's mother-in-law and lifted her up to health so i hope and pray that jesus will come again soon to this old world of ours go around and enter into the house of our people and make them well and not just the people of emmanuel but all the people Oh, that Jesus would walk into the house of the weary and the suffering people of this world. Take them by the hand and lift them up and let them run and jump like the deer, like when we were young. Jerome goes on to continue with these words. Oh, that Jesus would come to our house and enter and heal the fever of our sins by his touch. For each and every one of us suffers from a fever of some sort. I myself grow angry and I am feverish. So many vices, so many fevers. While written such a long time ago, his words are so powerful and so current. For many people today, to live with a fever of one type or another. For some, it's a physical illness. Others, depression, anxiety, and still others, addiction. Some of us are just simply slowing down with no apparent illness, but just weakened by the accumulation of years. Others are ground down by poverty or by the disregard of others. Some people have been struggling for years just to make ends meet and are worn out by it all and can see no practical hope in sight. So many different types of fevers. For some who are lying low with fever or faintness, may they be pleased to know that Jesus is capable of rising them up again. If it be a physical sickness that leaves one weak, know that one day you will suffer no more, but you will be among the strong and the joyful again. But that is the promise that Jesus offers. And because of Jesus, we will see life in its fullest once again. In the meantime, continue your prayers in the name of Jesus that he will not tarry with his healing, but will grant it to you very soon. Pray for those doctors and therapists of yours, pray in the name of our Lord. And for those that are faint from want of this world's affections, be pleased to know that it is especially you that our Lord keeps his eye on. In our Psalm today, we heard the words the Psalmist write, he heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. His understanding is beyond reason. The Lord lifts up the lowly. The Lord lifts up the lowly. He is present with us. And if we suffer with some of the fevers that St. Jerome mentions, perhaps we can learn an interesting note from our story today about Simon's mother-in-law that notion of waiting for the Lord. She literally waited on him, and she got up and then waited on Jesus. For we can read, and Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and her fever left her, and she then served them. Important to hear her response. For this dear woman contrasts with her son-in-law, For Peter in the very next verse, we learn that he and the others go out tracking, hunting, as our scripture says, Jesus down. To remind him that the crowd needs him more. Peter finds him and almost chastises Jesus by saying, in essence, Jesus, you've still got more work to do. It's not a, we have more work to do, but it's that finger pointing at Jesus, you have more work to do. At least at this point in his life, Peter doesn't seem to lift a finger to help the sick and those in need. He puts it all on Jesus. But not so his mother-in-law. She doesn't ask Jesus to serve her as she is raised out of the bed, but rather as she rises from the bed, Scripture tells us that she goes and serves the others. Some biblical scholars note that quite possibly this unnamed woman, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, becomes the first deacon of the early church. So let it be so for you and I. Regardless of whatever fevers we are struggling with, perhaps a miracle is available to us. Perhaps it's just simply and precisely that we need to serve Jesus and others that we will be most able to leave behind those fevers that trouble us. For it is in the practical deeds of service day by day that we become more like Jesus. It is in serving with him as much strength and energy and integrity that we can muster, that bit by bit we can transform ourselves in his direction, in the direction of a more holy life. For each of us, whether we think ourselves feverish or not, it is good for us to follow the example of Simon Peter's mother-in-law and rise up from our beds and serve Christ and our neighbors. And to serve until when? Well, until, as John Henry Newman put it in his famous prayer, till the shades lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed, and the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in Christ's mercy, may he give us a safe lodging, and a holy rest, and a peace at last. Through Jesus Christ, the one who healed Simon's mother-in-law, and to whom belongs the glory, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, May we rest assured that his presence is with us this day. Thanks be to God for the word that we have heard this day. Amen.